Welcome to the Not Old Better Show. I'm Paul Vogelsang, and this is episode number 409. As part of our Smithsonian Associates Year of Music series, this will be a very special show. In a minute or two, I'll be speaking with Ben Folds. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, I'm a huge fan. My exercise playlist repeats Zach and Sarah. And that opening piano in Zach and Sarah is just Ben Folds at his best. As a matter of fact, it's hard to think about Ben Folds without the characters in his songs. And now, Ben Folds, in his first book, a memoir titled A Dream About Lightning Bugs, A Life of Music and Cheap Lessons, Ben Folds opens up about those characters, what he knows, what he thinks he knows, and what it took to move from a working-class childhood in North Carolina to stardom. Join me and Ben Folds for a conversation during which Ben Folds talks about his creative process, how his personal life intersects with his songwriting, why he insists that the ups and downs are essential for any artist, and how paying his dues his polka career never quite took off, and never losing sight of his dream of a creative life helped shape him into the musician he wanted to be. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show, Ben Folds. Ben Folds, welcome to the program. Good to be here. Good to be talking to you, too. Let's talk a little bit about your upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation. What, what, do, you, what do you have in store for us? <laughs> Well, you know, I might sit in a chair. Um, could be microphones. We don't know if they'll be uh, lavaliers or uh, or handheld mics. Uh, and uh, anyone listening will <laughs> learn quite a bit. Um, yeah, we're gonna. I guess we're gonna talk. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I'll I'll be there certainly. Oh, me too. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be it'll be nice to see you. I'll have my my book along with me. This this wonderful book, the title of which is "A Dream About Lightning Bugs: A Life of Music and Cheap Lessons." I love that title. Thank you. Super creative. It really says so much. But what does it say to you? And and maybe tell us about a couple of the cheap lessons. Um. Yeah. Well. Um. You know the 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 dream to start out with and. You know, you, you title a book, or I don't know, but I one imagines that most people don't start with the title of the book, uh, and uh, that was true for me. I, I I was I was writing this, and and, and you're curating your life, uh, uh, you know, because you can't just recount the whole thing. That's millions of pages, and it's very boring. What was it? What was important, and and what do I want to pass on? And uh, it became clear to me that it was about creativity. Um, and then, of course, that got more and more clear uh, uh, once I realized that. Um, and it seemed the best way to explain what I think an artist or someone who creates does. Um, it's, it's, very, it's very much like that dream I had, which I tell at the beginning of the book, which is roughly... I was three years old, and I this is in my dream. I, I, I dreamed it when I was three, I'm sure, but I was three in the dream. And uh, running around the backyard, there's other kids, and um, I could see lightning bugs. It's, I mean, not, not for ev- everyone uh, in the country doesn't get them, but I'm sure everyone knows what fireflies are. And they were lighting up uh, around the backyard, and I could see them. The other children couldn't see them, but if I pointed them out, then they could. 
which was the point of the dream. And I would put them in a jar and I would hand the jar to the kids. And, and uh, so I was, you know, I was the man in my dream as you are when you're uh, two. Mm-hmm. And um, what occurred to me about that is it stuck with me my whole life is that really what you do when you're creating something is you are seeing something that lights up for you. And it might seem very random to others. That's the reason they don't see it at first. They're busy seeing other things. So an artist's job is to see the thing, recognize the thing that they see. Um, it's special because it's the thing that you see. That's it. But once you point it out and once you bottle it, frame it, whatever you want to call it, um, then you can share it with others. And it's a lifetime learning how to bottle these things. And, um, you know, in the dream, I suppose now as an adult, I can see that maybe one kid would have been noticing, um, you know, the stars. Okay, well, they see stars, and the other kid sees uh, maybe blades of grass as the sun's setting. Uh, all the things that anyone else may see, that's their job to bottle that. When you share it with other people, they're like, oh, of course. I, I, the fireflies were always there. I didn't see them because I was paying attention to something else. But thank you, because now I can live that experience more fully, having had your observation, your framing of it, and how it was beautiful at that time. Uh, we get to enjoy more of life that way. So that's what the dream was about. The the, the chief lessons is really was the form that I took uh, in order to uh, uh, tell different things about my life that I feel had uh, uh, you know had been shaped by or shaped uh, creativity. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, my father very. You know, he's a construction worker, right? You know, uh, his, his idea, uh, he's not anymore. He's done other things since then. But at the time when I was growing up, that's what he was doing. Mm-hmm. You know, his, his basic idea of, you know, parenting was, look, there's things I can't teach you. Uh, and uh, you're not going to listen anyway. So you're going to mess up. And when you mess up, I hope that you're dealt the most expensive lesson <laughs> short, of, short of loss of limb, life, or harm to others. Um, and so that's, and that's what you want for your kids. I mean, really, when it comes down to it, you know, my, my son broke his leg skateboarding Hmm. and I mean, I'm not happy he broke his leg, but look, he didn't crack his skull or, or, or get brain damage or kill himself. And that happens. So I'm thinking, well, this is good. He got a cheap lesson. That's cheap because he didn't die. (laughs) So, uh, so yeah, so that's, that's the way that I framed the book then is here are things that I learned by being an idiot. Um, because I, I, and, and I don't suppose, uh, you know, I don't make, I don't make the assumption that, um, uh, any of it is relevant to anyone but myself, but I know that some of it is. And I think that's the best way to teach. It's not to go, here's the way it is, but to say, here's what happened in a, you know, a pinhead's case study of one person's creative life. <laughs> you get this real, humility, you know, from you. I, I, I do. And, and I like this one line. You said, this is a book about what I know or what I think I know. And this seems like yeah. it's a real part of you. I'm sorry? It seems like this idea of humility is a real part of you. You're, mm. you're just open and honest about, hey, here's what I know. And I've had some pain in my life. And here's what I don't know. When, when I can be, I mean, that's what you have to, I mean, there's, I don't know, there, 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 it requires a little, um, a little of a certain kind of endurance or strength or awareness to remain 
uh, humble for anybody. Mm. Um, because it's just a matter of, you know, uh, let, letting go and realizing, you know, it's really okay if you don't know everything. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and because it really, at the end of the day, it's more useful if you just submit to be part of the human race that has had, you know, X number of days on the planet, that's more than some and fewer than others. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so I, 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 I don't know if I have any particular, um, um, feeling about, you know, humility in general. Like I don't almost see it as a, as even a, a, a moral thing or, or a virtue. I just think it's really useful, mm -hmm. especially when you're trying to pass some information. You need to be as neutral as possible. And writing your own story is a good way to get not neutral immediately because <laughs> you want you want people to think the best of you, you know. And even the humility stick can go too far, you know. Mm -hmm. Like you can like you want people to 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 think that you're cool and humble. So I, I try to to not uh, for myself not to frame things like as. Uh, at too ver you know too much in terms of it being a virtue or being uh, ethically correct or moral or anything as just thinking about what's useful because that's the best for everyone's survival is to get good information have someone tell you something as honestly as they can uh, is uh, is just uh, straight up useful I found that you are a real outspoken you're you're a champion of arts education and, yeah. and some of you said in kind of your first answer made me think of this i if you're educating a bunch of young artists and you're talking to them about some of the uh you know music in the internet for example or the value of music or copyright violation or some of those kind of things what what what's some of the advice that you might give some some of the education that you might pass along to a young musician today well when it comes to um you know, uh, the intellectual property, um, arguments and rights, I I'm not mm -hmm. the person to go to. I, I really mm -hmm. have never paid attention. Um, mm -hmm. and it was easier for me not to pay attention because I, I came of age in an era where the money floweth. <laughs> and, um, so it was sort of assumed probably as much as it could have ever been in the history of, of, uh, music and commerce. Um, sort of assumes that, um, you know, if I did a lot of good stuff, I'd probably get paid. Mm, I don't mm -hmm. know if that, you, if that's something you can assume anymore, but that's not something you could assume 75 years ago either. There was a little period of 50 years, uh, where, uh, you know, where, where, where the artist was, so the, the paradigm was becoming, I made a thing. Uh, I own the thing. My name's on the thing. And I have, rights to to uh, mm -hmm. uh to it you know as soon as as soon as the song was worth uh was worth you know one cent or zero or whatever it takes to download something that all shifted because then there was value in, the, in it um but the value is no longer measurable sort of by what had been our rule of law which is you consume it you pay for it it gets filtered through you know uh any, uh, the people that that, that entities that take that money up and they distribute it. That was, that was what they came to. Then it all changed. I mean, I'm sure that it'll, mm. it, it'll, it'll, it'll go back and forth some, but I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't see any reason anytime soon for musicians to think that they can up and coming musicians, so they can be millionaires based on, uh, uh, 
based on what they write. Unless they're writing for movies or something very, you know, very specific, maybe you could make a good living doing that. I I and I don't think I've ever heard it put that way. You know, especially about. 75 years ago, when you stop to think about it, sure, there was just no, necessarily no shopping cart that you could kind of, no. you know, mechanize to generate funds. No, no even, Patreon. No, even, even the masters, you know, like uh, up, up through, I mean, my, my business manager actually manages the estate of Rock Bonanoff, huh. but prior wow. to that, he's 20th century, you know, so, so he, you know, uh, the, 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 the family work his catalog, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Like, you know, they're, they're, uh, <laughs> they're rocking the rock. <laughs> uh, but, but the, you know, the, uh, but pr- prior, prior to that, really prior to their Scott Joplin and, uh, uh, and maybe it's like, you know, 1911 or something like that. Um, no, you know, Be- Beethoven's family aren't, I don't know if he passed any of that down, but it, but it doesn't matter. Like the, the people of the 19th century and before, now, they 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 uh they they wrote music you know it was it was for either religious reasons or they mm-hmm. were well kept but it wasn't the, the, that idea of, of being part of the intellectual property wasn't there so well, you know the, I'm not an expert but what I can see is is because technology changed it, it it opened up the opportunity for all that to be ripped wide open mm-hmm. and so it's something else and I would wear myself out thinking about it <laughs> obviously I'm wearing myself out just. <laughs> just sort of speculating about it it's enough to drive me crazy <laughs> yeah, i feel yeah. that my 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 value is in uh, is in is in encouraging people to be creative anyway so the way i wanted to write the book is it, 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 part of the reason it's important for me to remain realistic or or humble if you want to call it mm-hmm. that is because i know that i run across people all the time and make things that are every bit as good as the things that i make and they're doing other things with their life. You know, Charles Ives, who I mentioned at the end of the book, great American composer, turn of the century, uh, 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 20th century composer that was very innovative for, for uh, music journals, great American composer. He was an insurance guy. That's what he did. He, he spent all day long working in an insurance company. And at night, I suppose, whenever, maybe early morning, he was composing uh, innovative music. Uh, it, it, it probably improved his uh, his life had improved our lives and um, maybe kept him alive, uh, maybe helped him in his insurance business as well. People are just naturally creative. So if you frame it like, well, if you're not making a living at it, then you're not worth anything. And that very much is the way people still think. It's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not famous with my songs, so they must not be as good as somebody else's songs. And, and, and the thing to do is, is to be human and create. That's why we're not in the middle of the food chain. Uh, we're at the top of the food chains because we got good ideas. Certainly not because we're strong. I mean, we're little nasty little flesh packets. Like we 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 can't lift anything. We can't survive uh, in any kind of weather at all. What we're good at is having ideas. And uh, so there needs to be every incentive to create with impunity with absolute pride in in, uh, in, in what you create. Mm-hmm. The other thing that you write in the book that I thought was was really impressive as well uh, along the lines of the, some of this is what you know you know and some some of it isn't and and that is that you say that there have been some some stumbles and falls along the way but there's also there have also been these brilliant strokes of luck. Yeah. What what's been your luckiest? Yeah. What 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 do you think came along? It's kind of all the time. Mm-hmm. Um 
And, you know, maybe a little bit of luck is a little bit like opportunity. It has to do with recognizing it. I've always been utterly allergic, or maybe since I was a teenager, at some point it occurred to me, I really bristle when someone jokingly says, that's just my luck. Can't stand that. I really do, do feel like it, it makes you focus on that, and it just sends you down that line. I mean, if I'm amazingly uh, uh, grateful for my good luck every day, it seems to it, it seems to almost be like physics. It's just like, you know, the way that the water will run down someplace on a table or something. And then no matter what you do, it keeps going down that one trail. Like there's something about, uh, uh, about, about starting a trail where it just keeps wanting to go to the same place. It seems like physics somehow. I don't know anything about science, but it seems to me that luck is that way and that your life is that way in general. So I kind of think it's everything. I mean, I look, I try to look at the, uh, at, at my life through the book as seeing the things that were pretty tough as being very fortunate. It, it made a, it made an impression on me. One little part of, uh, uh, Malcolm Gladwell's, uh, book hmm. outliers, which basically to me, and I don't know how other people took it, but it, it struck me as as a, uh, a a thesis on humility because the the idea really seemed to me to be he's saying all these people would like to say they pulled themselves up by the bootstraps and they were self made and that despite all uh, you know uh, challenges they were they overcame. And that might be true to some extent, but, but as you can see, when he points it out, it's so rare to succeed Mm -hmm. that even the things that seemed harmful must have been really fortunate. They have to be, you can't afford a misstep at all. You can't, you know, like, like if someone is, uh, you know, that's the, you know, Stephen Hawking is a good, good example. I mean, at least his his peers said that he was a fairly average uh, uh, student at Oxford. Um, he was a little bit of a clown, and as soon as he was incapacitated, he had to create new tools. Um, so, I'm sure you know it's hard to think of of um, being utterly paralyzed as 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 being a good uh, as being a good thing, but it probably was part of the picture. So I kind of look at it like that. Like I get fired. It takes me, you know, 10 extra years to an accident or whatever. I have to look at that as, as uh, certainly the way, the way the uh, uh, improvisational schools go. Yes. And, you know, if someone says something, you don't, you don't refute it. You go, yes. And, and you continue the narrative. So it's like something bad happens. You go, Yes. And that means that I'm now going to be in bed for three weeks and I can write something. <laughs> you know, I have to, have to look at it that way. <laughs> that's a long way to answer it, but that's, that's, that's the way a great answer. It's a great answer. Thank you. We, we're, of course, with Ben Folds. Ben Folds' new book, A Dream About Lightning Bugs, A Life of Music and Cheap Lessons. We're catching up to you on some travel, Ben Folds, so I, I know you're super busy. I just have one final question for you. If you'd maybe tell us a little bit about music therapy and why it's important to you. And, 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 how have you seen it work, maybe in people? You know, it, yeah. Yes. 
Oh, mm-hmm. absolutely, absolutely. No, no, no. It's it, it it's it's a very wide field. Goes it goes goes from you know it goes from a nice nice kid playing bongos for you <laughs> at the hospital and cheering you up and maybe uh, uh, altering uh, uh, a- a- aiding in, in perceived pain mm-hmm. uh, up through uh, improving um, gait, which is really important in rehabilitation, all the way up to uh, uh, just pretty, pretty intense uh, neurological science where you observe that the brain lights up, as I said in the, in the uh, book, like a Christmas mm-hmm. tree, uh, when stimulated by music, this affords the opportunity to hijack different parts of the brain and reroute neural highways so that, say, something like uh, a, a, aphasia of the Broca's area, basically uh, a, a, you know, a damage to the area that creates speech, can actually be rerouted as we saw with uh, Gabby Gifford, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, the uh, uh, congressman that was uh, uh, shot in the head. She was having difficulty uh, uh, rehabilitating and getting words out, and it was a uh, music therapist, uh, Megan Mora, who came in, and I believe Megan said she was getting words out of her in about 15 minutes. <laughs> but she's a highly trained doctor. It's not it is science, and, and and I think the opportunity is, look, this is this is something that uh, that the brain responds to. We have scientific evidence, so it it affords an opportunity to use something that's really cheap and not invasive. And I had a friend who went into a coma. He produced my last album. He went into a coma fairly uh, 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 not long after our album was finished, and they were about to put him away. Uh, I mean, they were about to sign off on, on, uh, put him away. So mm. terrible. Mm. Poor Elliot. He's like sitting there in his doghouse. He's fine now, by yeah, the way. Good. Good um, to hear. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, what, what they, what they did, um, uh, the, the, the neurologists, uh, that, that were, um, that were trying to establish whether he was locked in, whether he could hear, assimilate, uh, uh, the information and just not say it. Or what? Like they don't know when you're in a coma, so they do things like they, you know, they they pinch you, they make loud noises, they do stuff that seems not that scientific to find out if they're responding. Music therapy takes the sonic part of it and really makes it into a science. Uh, Elliot was a musician or is a musician. He's a, a engineer. Um, he recorded so many of the albums that that we we know. Uh, uh, growing up, uh, incredible, and you know they were able to um, they were able to establish things that they weren't able to establish without music therapy. So the music therapy uh, therapist came in again, someone that was connected through Megan Mora because that's a that's a that's I think the state of the art. And um, yeah, I mean you know his family went from one day they were about to sign the papers to let him go, and a couple days later they were getting responses and understanding it didn't exactly save him it it allowed them to understand what he could perceive and what he couldn't perceive uh and uh pretty cheap you know the the lady came in and worked with him didn't hurt him didn't pinch him or anything uh just played him some music he didn't like (laughs) uh and uh and and he's with us that's good news well ben folds author of the new book a dream about lightning bugs a life of music and cheap lessons 
you're really you're 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 thinking about some important things. You're writing about some important things. We love your music. We're looking forward to seeing you coming up here at Smithsonian Associates. But thanks so much for your generous time today, and uh, great to talk to you. Absolutely, thank you, and I am honored to get to go to the Smithsonian at all, much less sit there and talk about my book. So we'll see you there. Oh, you'll be a great, a big hit. Thanks very much, Ben Folds. Take care, man. My thanks to Ben Folds for joining me today for his candor and thoughtfulness. My thanks to the Smithsonian team for all they do to make the show happen. And my thanks to you, our wonderful Not Old Better Show audience. Talk about better. The Not Old Better Show. Thanks, everybody. 